The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name forevermore for endless days we will sing your praise oh lord oh lord our god and on the third at break of dawn the son of again oh trample death where is your sting the angels roar for Christ the King oh praise the name of the Lord our God oh praise his name for sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face oh praise the name of the Lord our God Oh, praise his name forevermore, for endless days we will sing your praise, oh Lord, oh Lord our God. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God, oh praise his name. Forevermore, for endless days, we will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our God, O Lord, O Lord our first scripture, you may be seated. Our first scripture reading this evening is from Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 26, and Carrie Lynn will be reading for us. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. 
And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and he kissed him, and they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you did not seize me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Would you stand again? Uh, Third verse of this next song we're going to sing says, See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory, grace unmeasured, love untold. Uh, We're going to sing, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. In the 
the stead of ruined sinners hangs a lamb in victory. See the price of our redemption. See the Father's plan unfold, bringing many sons to glory. Grace unmeasured, love untold. And come behold the wondrous mystery, slain by death, the God of life. But no grave could ever strain him. Praise the Crucify the grave. 
may be seated. Our second scripture reading is by Jamie from Mark chapter 14, verses 53 through 72. And they led Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes came together. And Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his garments and said, What further witnesses do we need? You've heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed, and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Let's um, let's pray real quick. Father, as we as we consider this this horrific sacred night where Jesus died and was betrayed, we pray for your Holy Spirit uh, to direct and teach our hearts to rest in Him. It's in His name we pray. Amen. We um. One of the things that of why the Bible has so many stories, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bible or not, but one of the reasons why the Bible has so many stories is um, because it wants us to identify with people in the story. Uh, C.S. Lewis, when he was reviewing his friend J.R. Tolkien's The Fellowship of the Ring, one of the comments that he made about all the different types of characters is that they wear, they wear their souls on the outside. And sometimes... When we uh, read these stories, we see a part of our souls being worn on the outside of these characters, and we begin to wonder, where are we supposed to be in the story? Who are we identifying with? And what is not only, we're, who are we identifying with, but what's revealed about us, and what do we want to be true about us from these stories? And one of the uh, sobering realities of the Bible is that it doesn't necessarily uh, give us the answer that we want. Um, because here we have Jesus... Uh, this great man from 2,000 years ago being used as a character in this story in effect to measure all of humanity. He is measuring all of us and he is seeing right through to us into our hearts. He calls himself in this passage the shepherd and the son of man. Both of those are terms in the Bible to talk about being the one who guides. He has the authority to guide us authoritatively and to tell us what to do. And he's the example of what it means to be truly human. Um, so he is calling himself, I'm, I'm the measure of what it means to be truly alive. And yet he looks at our hearts and he sees an incredible amount of brokenness and death. 
And we see ourselves primarily in Peter. Peter has to be one of the most unfortunate disciples ever to live because he's the one that becomes the butt end of a lot of our jokes and a lot of our illustrations of what not to be as Christians. Uh, but Peter is, in fact, uh, potentially in this story, the, the greatest disciple, right? He is the one who has devoted himself completely to Jesus. He's followed him from the beginning. He's left his lucrative family, uh, lucrative family uh, business to follow Jesus, to be with Jesus. And here he is up to the last minute. And he's saying in this story, right? Jesus, I promise I will never leave you. All these other dudes here, they are going to, uh, they could leave, but I promise, promise I will never, ever, ever leave. And as we were just reading, uh, the Bible does reveal more about Peter than he himself knew. You see, we, uh, we often tend to think like Peter, right? We're, uh, we tend to think, I'm, I'm like not a Mother Teresa, right? <laughs> but I'm not, uh, you know, whatever the bottom of the barrel is, Stalin <laughs> or somebody like that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're not that good, we're not that bad, but... Jesus, uh, we're, we're going to stick with you. We're going to keep it, right? We're, we kind of compare ourselves. Uh, I don't know what your religious community you grew up in. Uh, some, some religious communities tend to have a lot of that, right? They judge other people and look down on other people. And effectively, I mean, could you imagine being in this situation with Peter around Jesus and you're like, your best friend sitting at the head of the table and you call out from the other side of the table, Jesus, all these other guys, I'm better than them. I'll stick with you. Right, you see what hap what's happening in Peter is, it's not so much of how bad he is, it's his good desires that get him tripped up. It's, it's that's the same thing with us. We, like Peter, think we can be good enough that we can trust in ourselves and prove ourselves to God, and we can do it on our own terms, and that God will be happy with us. Right, we, that's what sin is in the Bible, right? Sin in the Bible is saying, taking a good thing, and making it an ultimate thing, saying, God, I can accomplish this. I can prove you. I can prove this to you. On my own terms, in my own strength, in my own will, we are much like Peter, right? But Peter, but Jesus is not fooled in this story. <laughs> Remember at the beginning, he says that they're going to strike the shepherd and, and all of you are going to leave me. And that's when Peter says, oh, no, 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 not me, right? I don't know if you've noticed this. Peter said to him, even though all fall away, I will not. That's often our problem. Our own will, our own desires, our own plans. And Jesus calls him out on this, doesn't he? He says, verse 38, watch and pray may not enter into temptation. And here's the clincher. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? The problem is not so much that we have good desires, is that we don't really see how deeply our hearts are so messed up. Is that the problems in our heart aren't just in the bad things that we want, but how we want the good things, right? Peter's saying, look, I want to be with you, but he's saying it on his own terms, in his own power, for his own sake. You see, Peter is much like us. I want to be a good father, a good husband, a good Christian, a good pastor, all on my own terms. I don't know what it is for you. We want these good things even in our own power. And Jesus comes not only to save us from the horrific things that we've done, but he comes to save us from our addiction to ourselves, which is how the passage actually develops. Right? Jesus sees more deeply into what's going on in us than what we think we'd see. You see right there in verses 35 and 36, here's Jesus at this crucial moment on that. <laughs> On the, on the eve of his death. And what does he do? And going a little further away, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, what Peter and, and what we fail to do is we fail to see what sin really is. And when Jesus is facing sin, unmasked, and the wrath of God full on, he falls to the ground. And the other gospels say he weeps tears of blood. 
and he trembles. And he says, Father, I know all this is in your hands. I know that you can control all of this. If possible, Father, let me not taste the bitter sting of death and sin. But it is the Father's will. And that's what we're going to continue to look at. That it is the Father's will for Jesus to drink this cup of God's wrath. And he does it willingly. So let us continue to hear from God's word. Next scripture reading is by Hannah from Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 20. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many things they have bring against you? But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And he perceived that it was out of the envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered them to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. They began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they, were mocked, when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Um, our Savior's entrance to earth was filled with um, misunderstanding by those in royalty and by his followers thinking that he might um, be a king that reigned in an earthly way. Um, and as we know now uh, through the scripture uh, that that wasn't the case. He came as a servant uh, to die for crimes he didn't commit uh, so that we could be freed from our sin. And so this next song uh, is just a song of reflection. Uh, so as you stay seated, as we sing it, I believe the words will be up on the uh, screen. It's called Wooden Nails. Show me how 
to work in praise, trusting that I am your instrument. Oh, loving laborer, with the sweat of Mark 15, verses 21 to 41. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross, that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it, behold, they said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud, loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the centurion who stood facing him saw 
that in this way he breathed his last, and he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the younger of Joseph and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him, and there were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. We come now to the hour of Jesus' death, um, and just as we were looking at previously, uh, he's been abandoned. Peter and his disciples, his best friends, they have abandoned him. The, uh, the state church of his homeland has abandoned him. The governing authorities have abandoned him. And here even the uh, soldiers at his death have abandoned him to being uh, a mere sacrifice. And yet there's somebody that is not necessarily mentioned directly in our passage in abandoning him, but Jesus calls him out. There's one person in this story that we have not fully given our attention to, and that is God himself. You see, at the core of what's going on in the cross of Christ, the Father has abandoned the Son from his love to rest under his wrath. The Son did not get ployed or tricked into going here. He chose this. It was his plan. The Father forsakes the Son. Why? So that as we are exposed in this story, as our hearts and our desires are exposed for what they truly are, Jesus saves us from ourselves by taking our place. I don't know if you know the name Johnny Erickson Tata, but she has this meditation on the cross, which I want to read for us as we look at what is happening in this moment. There is... Beneath the level of the narrative story itself, there is a spiritual dynamic that is pulled out and teased out in other parts of the Bible. But we are going to look at this through this meditation from Johnny Erickson Tata. She says, The face that Moses had begged to see was forbidden to see. It was slapped bloody. The thorns that God had sent to curse the earth's rebellion now twisted around his brow as a crown. On your back, one raises a mallet to sink the spike, but the soldier's heart must continue pumping as he readies the prisoner's wrist. Someone must sustain the soldier's life minute by minute, for no man has this power on his own. Who supplies breath to his lungs? Who gives energy to his cells? Who holds his molecules together? Only by the sun do all things hold together. This victim wills the soldier lives on. He grants the warrior's continued existence. The man swings. As he swings, the son recalls how he and the father first designed the medial nerve and the human forearm. The sensations that it would be capable of, the design proves flawless. The nerves perform exquisitely. Up you go. They lifted the cross God is on display in his underwear and can scarcely breathe. But these pains are a mere warm-up to his other and growing dread. He begins to feel a foreign sensation. Somewhere during this day, an an unearthly foul odor begins to waft, not around his nose, but his heart. He feels dirty. Human wickedness starts to crawl upon his spotless being, the living excrement from our souls. The apple of the father's eye turns brown with rot. My father, he must face his father like this. From heaven, the father now rouses himself like a Ryan disturbed, shakes his mane and roars against the shriveling remnant of a man hanging on a cross. Never has the son seen the father look at him so, never felt even the least of his hot breath. But the roar shakes the unseen world and darkens the visible sky. The sun does not recognize those eyes. Son of man, 
Why have you behaved so? You have cheated and lusted and stolen and gossiped, murdered and envied, hated and lied. You have cursed, robbed, overspent, overeaten, fornicated, or disobeyed, embezzled, blasphemed. Oh, the duties you have shirked, the children you have abandoned. Who has ever so ignored the poor, so played the coward, so belittled my name? Have you ever held your razor tongue? What a self-righteous Pitiful drunk, you who have molested children, peddled young drug, peddled killer drugs, traveled in cliques, mocked your parents, who gave you the boldness to rig elections, ferment revolutions, torment animals, and worship demons? Does the list never end? Spot, splitting families, raping virgins, acting smugly, playing the pimp, buying politicians, practicing extortion, filming pornography, accepting bribes. You have burned down buildings, practiced terrorist, perfected terrorist acts, founded false religions, traded in slaves, relishing each morsel and bragging about it all. I hate, I loathe these things in you. Disgusting for everything about you, disgust for everything about you consumes me. Can you not feel my wrath? Now get this. Of course, the son is innocent. Do not miss that. He is blamelessness itself. The father knows this. But the divine pair have an agreement. And the unthinking must now take place. Jesus will be treated as if personally responsible for every sin ever committed. The father watches as his heart's treasure, the mirror image of himself, sinks drowning into raw Liquid sin. Jehovah's stored rage against humankind for every century explodes in a single direction. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? But heaven stops its ears. The sun stares up at the one who cannot, who will not reach down or reply. The Trinity has planned it. The Son endured it. The Spirit enabled him. The father rejected the son whom he loved. Jesus, the God-man of Nazareth, perished. The father accepted his sacrifice for sin and was satisfied. The rescue was accomplished. You see, when we read the story of Jesus, we have no right to pity him. He has done what only he can do because he planned it because he chose it, because his desire was not to leave us in our sin, not to leave us in thinking that we're good enough, not leaving us to all of our plans of how we can prove ourselves to God. He would save us from being addicted to ourselves so that we might loose the grip of a clenched heart and embrace his love. In the death of Christ, we have the birth of true mercy and grace. God has treated Jesus, has put on Jesus what we deserve, so that now, in Jesus, we might get what he deserves. The story does not end here. This is only half the story. We will pick up the story on Easter morning. When the rest of the story is unfold, where the light of the world breaks forth from a little grave and Jesus lays death down to die. Our final scripture reading will be from Melanie. And she will be reading for us from the end of this passage in Mark 15, verses 42 to 47. And when evening had come, since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Aramea, a respected member of the council, who was himself looking for the kingdom of God, took courage and went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died. And summoning the centurion, he asked him where he was already dead. And when he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the corpse to Joseph. 
And Joseph bought a linen shroud, and taking him down, wrapped him in the linen shroud, and laid him in a tomb that had been cut out of the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw where he was laid. Would you stand as we uh, sing our final song? Would you fill us by your spirit to know you and to enjoy you and to not live in the morose sense of how horrible we are, but how gracious you are, how good you are, how kind you've been to us. Would you give us your spirit to continue to enjoy your life in us this weekend? Would you go now with this benediction? Once I can find it. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then here is a comment on Jesus' life and his love for us. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. It was made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. This is our Lord. And Sunday's coming. The resurrection is happening. We have yet to enjoy the rest of the story. We're only halfway there. So come on Sunday morning and we will ask, he is risen and you will say, risen indeed. Amen. This is our Savior. This is the gospel that has saved us. Would you go now in peace? Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. King's Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about King's Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.